Today's message has been brought to you by Faith Family Church in Billings, Montana. For more information, visit faithfamilybillings.com. Well, good evening, everybody. Uh, Welcome to our live Bible study for Wednesday night, our Foundations Bible study. Um, I want to just actually give or share a couple of announcements here before we get going. Um, just as a reminder, uh, Easter Sunday, we're having a baptismal service. That's April 12th. Um, we're still, uh, moving forward. Like we're going to be off the quarantine here, uh, by the 10th, we'll just have to play it, uh, week by week. But, um, we have already have a few people signed up for baptisms. If you want to be baptized and you've never been baptized in water, um, we would like you to sign up. If you go to faithfamilybillings.com and you go to the website there, um, at the top, on the far right-hand corner, on the tabs, there's a forms tab, and you can scroll or hover over that, and it'll scroll down, and you'll see a water baptism form. If you fill that out and send it to us, then we can we are able to um, go ahead and get you in, and we'll have that. Um, like I said, we already have about five that have signed up. Also, um, on April uh, 26th, we're doing uh, the Money Matters. Uh, uh, financial classes, and that will actually be after church that Sunday. Uh, we will be serving lunch and then uh, doing two separate classes uh, with two different speakers. Uh, one is Dan Levy. Um, he works for Thrivent Financial. And then the other is Mike Seppala, and he works for uh, Western, uh, not Western Security Bank. Who does he work for? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I think it matters. <laughs> but anyway, I believe it's Western Security Bank. And um, I'm drawing a blank right now. But Mike Seppala, and uh, he's going to be doing uh, the class, one of the classes, and so will Dan Levy. And we encourage people to sign up for that. Now, we don't have an official form for that. So what you'll need to do is just go to the Contact Us tab uh, at, at the website, faithfamilybuildings.com, and just fill out the form expressing that you want to be a part of that. We have a sign-up here at the church, um, but obviously right now we're not able to have people sign up on that. So if you uh, would go and sign up, uh, contact us, send us an email, we'll put you on the list, and let us know uh, how many kids you have as well, if you'll be bringing uh, any kids. That would be greatly appreciated. And then uh, May 10th is Mother's Day. And we do our baby and child dedication on May 10th. So if you'd like to do that, there's under that forms tab again on the website um, that is available. If you want to fill that out, and we already do have uh, at least one signed up for that. So if you would go there and do that, that would be great. Then if you want to mark your calendars um, for a few different uh, things we have uh, coming up uh, on in June... Uh, the 5th through the 7th, we're going to have Jerry and Leanne Sosby here. Leanne was the prayer and healing school minister for years and traveled with Brother Hagen at, at uh, Rama, uh Bible Training Center and, uh, down in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And she was here with us uh, a year ago. It would be a little over a year ago now because it was in March uh, then as well, or last year. So, uh, But it will be a little over a year, and she'll be here with us June 5th through the 7th. Uh, for some services that um, are going to be entitled Flow, and she's going to teach us how to flow with the Holy Spirit and minister by the Spirit. It's going to be very good. Uh, and then Freedom Youth Camp is June 18th through the 21st uh, for teenagers. Uh, June 18th through the 21st, and that's the Freedom Youth Camp uh, that we'll be having with Breakforth Bible Church. 
always a wonderful time. Uh, the Spirit of God moves and, and the teenagers are ministered to. So if you have teenagers, uh, this is for students that are uh, going into seventh grade. Is that correct, Heidi? Going into seventh grade and then graduating seniors. So those two. So if they just got out of sixth grade, they're going into seventh, they can come. If they're graduating seniors, they can come as well. If they just graduate, if they'll be graduating this year. Um, and then September 25th through the 27th, Reverend Jim Hockaday will be here for some healing and miracle services that we're going to have. Uh, that's September 25th through the 27th. So you want to go ahead and uh, mark those dates down in your calendar plan for those. It's going to be powerful and uh, we're excited about it. I want to go ahead and start out this evening. I'm going to read a few scriptures and then uh, we'll pray and get into our message on um, free will. We're talking about sovereignty and it's been good. We've, we've really learned a lot and I have some more that I want to get to. I actually want to finish up Romans 9 tonight. That's the goal. Um, and since they're making me sit down in this chair, I probably will be able to get it done. So I won't get distracted by anything else. So the Lord willing, I had my brother, and he's probably watching tonight from Texas, maybe not, I don't know, but he said, uh, he messaged me about the message last week. He said, man, that was good. He said, you, uh, he said, you got off track a couple of times. And so I sent him a text that uh, said, chasing that rabbit, <laughs> uh, because sometimes preachers get off on rabbit trails. But that's all right. It just means you're preaching by the Spirit. So that's good. Um, but anyway, I want to read Zechariah 10.1. You don't have to turn there, but this is a passage of Scripture. We've been praying over the church and then praying over you guys. We had uh, prayer on Tuesday. It was excellent. We prayed for the church. We prayed for the nation. And just as a note to you um, for updates on, on what's going on just currently, and I think I'll have Josh post it again here on the live feed uh, for you, but if you want to text uh, to us, we have a, 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 a thing called flock note. And, um, if you want to text to us, uh, you can sign up for it and they'll put the instructions there on the live feed, uh, for that. Uh, and we can, you can set it up to receive emails and texts from us on updates on what's going on. And it really helps us if you do that because, uh, that way it resolves questions that come in and we can constantly, uh, allow people to, or give people the information that they need. Uh, but I did send out an email, uh, letting you know we've been praying for you. We're believing God. God's going to get us all the way through this whole situation. So uh, we're not worried about any of it. Uh, we're doing what we were told to do, which is uh, count it all joy whenever you fall into various trials. So it's a good opportunity to develop spiritually and develop inside and, and really uh, tap into the grace that's already there. But uh, this is something that we've been praying. And it's Zechariah 10.1. It says, ask the Lord for rain in the time of the latter rain. The Lord will make flashing clouds. He will give them showers of rain and grass in the field for everyone. I'm going to read another passage of this to you because I, I want you to, uh, down in uh, verse 7 of the same, excuse me, the same chapter. It says this. It says, those of Ephraim shall be like a mighty man. And I believe the Lord is raising up our church, mighty men and women of God in the church, um, in this church and in the church corporately, of course, but in this church, um, to be mighty men and women of God in witnessing and being a witness in their, their uh, worlds where they're at here in Billings. And it says, and their hearts shall rejoice as with wine. 
And I, and I feel like the Lord is uh, going to do that for us, that there'll be that rejoicing, that knowing, that joy of the Spirit. Um, we won't just be, it's not just a put-on thing, but we're going to experience the actual manifest presence of His joy. And um, it says here that, there, yes, your children shall see it and be glad, and their hearts shall rejoice in the Lord. So it'll be joy from generation to generation. It's going to be powerful. And then I just want to go over to Psalms 91 and uh, just say of the Lord, which we've been doing and you you have been doing. I know uh, we've had testimony about uh, different ones in their workplaces that have been able to minister to others during this time. If there's no hope, if people don't have hope outside of uh, the government and the medical field and, and they're standing up and declaring their fears, and that was people's hope. People are feeling very afraid. And um, that's where faith comes in because we have hope. We have hope and we have uh, the, the answer to fear. And we can live fearless in the face of death because the scripture says we've been delivered from the fear of death and bondage. And so um, I, I, I'm so grateful for that. Psalms 91 says this, and this is what we're going to declare. And this is, I'm just going to do this in a declaring manner over, over the church and over you. And if you want to join along, you can as well uh, there at home um, and, and declare this with us. It says, he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. And so I will say of the Lord and we will say of the Lord, he is our refuge and our fortress. Our God, in Him we will trust. Lord, our total trust is in You. Surely You shall deliver us from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence. You shall cover us with Your feathers and under Your wings we shall take refuge. Your truth and shall be our shield and our buckler. We shall not be afraid of the terror by night nor the arrow that flies by day. You know, if you're having problems sleeping at night, you need to declare that. I'm not afraid of the terror by night because I put my trust in the Lord. Nor of the pestilence that walks in darkness. We won't even fear pestilence. Nor of the destruction that lays waste at noonday. A thousand may fall at our, at our side and ten thousand at our right hand, but it shall not come near us. Only with our eyes shall we look and see the reward of the wicked. You know, we're not the wicked. We're the righteous. We are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Because we have made the Lord who is our refuge, even the Most High, our dwelling place. No evil shall befall us, nor shall any plague come near our dwelling. For he shall give his angels charge over us to keep us in all our ways. In their hands they shall bear us up. You know, we need to declare that. We need to declare angels bear us up. They bear us up in their hands. And people say, well, that just sounds, you know, uh, so many Christians are in their uh, logical mind instead of in their spiritual mind. And, and the Bible says that we are not to um, set our mind on things on earth. We're to set them on heaven. And on things above, you know, I've heard people say, you know, people can be so heavenly minded, they're no earthly good. It, the problem is, is that those people are not heavenly minded because only heavenly mindedness can create earthly good. It's the only way. It's the only way. <laughs> and so um, 
That's something that we need to put in front of us. We don't need to meditate on all the things that haven't happened in the word in our lives. We need to meditate on the word until we change what what we see in front of us uh, to the reality of what heaven is. We are the ambassadors from another world. We literally are called aliens and strangers in this land. We've been translated out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of the son of his love. And so don't be fooled by what we look like out on the natural, on the outside, because on the inside, we have the resurrection of Jesus Christ on the inside of us. And that's why we can make these bold declarations. You know, and people, people will mock uh, faith people in, their, in what they call intelligence. No, it's foolishness. Because how quickly natural human reason and intelligence fall short in giving answers. And how quickly the heart is empty. And those that supposedly uh, have proven that there is no God. Quickly, one after another, even in their last days, uh, uh, a remorse that their life was a waste. Even if they were very successful or made lots of money or all of these things. And the reason why is because the heart of man is designed to be the habitation of God. And if you reject that habitation, then you're going to feel empty no matter what. It doesn't matter how much you numb it. It doesn't matter what you do to try and ignore it. You were created, created and you're in, in your design by God to be at one with him and to be his child. And you'll never, never be able to totally numb that draw to God. So make sure that you make the right choice and repent and turn to him. So it's, he goes on to say, um, he shall give his angels charge over us to keep us in all our ways. In their hands they shall bear us up, lest we dash our foot against a stone. We shall tread upon the lion and the cobra, the young lion and the serpent we shall trample under foot. And then the Lord speaks back to us. He says, because they have set their love upon me, therefore I will deliver them. My God delivers us. Uh, he says, I will set them him on, them on high because... They have known my name. He shall, they shall call upon me and I will answer them. I will be with them in trouble. I will deliver him. You know, there's no promise that says we won't have trouble. There's actually a promise that says we will have trouble. But the promise is be of good cheer. Jesus said in this life you're going to have tribulation. But be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. And so we can declare this. The Lord's with us in trouble. And he's not just with us to comfort us. Yes, he'll comfort us. Yes, he'll strengthen us. But we can't just stop at that portion of the verse. We've got to go to the next one and say, He delivers us and he honors us. And with long life, he'll satisfy us and show us his salvation. And so we declare that. So Father, tonight we just bless you. We honor you. Lord, we declare those words in faith over our lives. Father, we will not fear. We resist fear. We submit to the word of God. Lord, your word says in Timothy to us that you've not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Lord, your word, you've said to us, you've delivered us from the fear of death and bondage. Lord, you said to us in Psalms 34, uh, I believe it's verse 1. You said, the psalmist said, I cried unto, unto you, Lord, and you delivered me from all my fears. And so we resist fear. We submit to the fruit of our, the fruit of the Holy Spirit within us, which is love, joy, peace 
patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. We don't have to be in a panic. We don't have to worry about money. We don't have to worry about our bodies, our health, our kids, our families, because we can cast all our care over on you. Not in a, not in a, just a frivolous thing, but with the understanding that you care for us affectionately and watchfully. You watch over us. Father, right now, you're watching over every one of my family members that I lift up to you uh, 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 and mention to you regularly. Lord, you're you're watching over every one uh, of the church members that are a part of this body and a part of this flock that that you've asked me to under-shepherd and pastor. You're watching over them. You have the care for them. Lord, every parent can put their trust in you for their kids. Every grandparent can put their trust in you for their kids and grandkids. Every great-grandparent can put their trust in you on down the line through the generations because we are blessed. We are favored and highly favored. And the glory of the Lord is upon us and in us. And we walk in that glory and your angels encamp round about us. We declare it, we believe it, we thank you for it. Now, Holy Spirit, I ask you to help me teach tonight. I thank you, Father, that you are the one that gives us utterance. I ask for that utterance and that boldness, but then also, Lord, to be able to speak it as you've spoken to me many times and as you keep working with me and changing me, but with the right words and with the right heart in love, speaking the truth in love and gentleness, and I thank you for it in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Okay, um, I prayed too long, my computer shut off. Um, let's, uh, go over to Romans chapter nine. Praise the Lord. All right. Romans chapter nine. And we're talking about, uh, free will. And this is part six and part five and six are going to kind of go together. And, uh, I entitled part five, the potter and the clay. And we didn't quite get to the potter and the clay last week, uh, but we started getting into Jacob and Esau, and uh, we started looking at some of these things. And I just want to read over a few points here concerning sovereignty. Um, We do believe that, of course, that God is omniscient. He's all-knowing. But what we do believe concerning these things, and, and this is a statement uh, that a couple of statements that I, I feel are, are, are worth making again and again just to clarify. God can be sovereign without violating man's essential freedom. And, and one of the main things that, and points that we've been speaking and teaching on is this, is that just because God knows what's going to happen doesn't mean he picked it, at least not all of it. Now, there is an overarching, and I, and I keep using that term, and maybe there's a better term, maybe that's not really resonating with you, but there is an overall plan of God that will come to pass whether we cooperate with it or not. Uh, God can have a plan, and there can be a game plan, but that doesn't mean everybody on the team is going to run the right route on the play <laughs> or be where they're supposed to be. Um, it's better to be where you're supposed to be and run your route, uh, but not everybody will, and some people will just refuse to play in the game. And so, uh, uh, and that's probably not the best analogy, but it's, it's one that I, that I have right now. Uh, in life, you were predestined to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. You were predestined. That's predestination. And that's in the New Testament. That's in Ephesians. And I don't remember the exact address right now, but it's in Ephesians. You can read the whole book. It won't take you that long. You can find it. 
But it's in Ephesians. And you were predestined ahead of time by God to be conformed to the image of his son. You've been predestined to look like Jesus. Jesus came so that you could be born again. And we'll probably get into a little bit of that tonight. But um, but that doesn't mean that that's going to automatically happen. See, God has chosen in the process of this creation and the process of what's taken place in developing who's going to be working with him through eternity and under his lordship, he gave us all free will. And since we have free will, we can choose whether we want to be on God's team or that's not good. I I need to say it this way. Whether we want to be in God's family or in Satan's family, we get to choose. And... um, And a lot of times people blame God for them not choosing right, but it's not God's fault. And we talked about this before. You know, people say, well, if God loved so many, why did he let the devil do? Why did he do this and that? And basically all of those statements boil down to this very thing. You don't want to have to be responsible for your decisions. And God's not that way. We are responsible for our decisions. Now, as believers, thank God we're under the blood of Jesus. (laughs) Thank God that we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And and as a believer, I can make a mistake. I I can sin. I can do something that I can yield to my flesh and yield to something that I shouldn't. But it doesn't take away my new creation. I can go to the Lord and go, Lord, I messed up on that deal. And he says, the blood is a now fountain. It's working all the time. It's forever cleansing and cleaning. And it's it's a wonderful thing uh, for those that are born again and have experienced this, this fountain of forgiveness and righteousness and redemption that's a constant flow for us. It's just a wonderful thing. But God can be sovereign without violating man's essential uh, freedom. Uh, This is another statement that we've made. Foreknowledge no more determines a man's actions than afterknowledge. Now, you really got to think about these things. You can't just, you know, because the the statements are not flippant statements. They're not really easy to just grasp all at once. Because I think naturally, we kind of conform to a certain way of thinking. And it's not necessarily God's way of thinking. Foreknowledge no more determines a man's actions than afterknowledge. Just because I know something beforehand doesn't mean I determined what you were going to do. I can know something and not determine uh, and not be the determining factor, not be the one manipulating your will to do it. Knowledge is determined by fact, not by the knowledge, uh, not by the knowledge alone. So God knows from all eternity what each man will do, whether he will yield to the spirit and accept Christ or whether he will resist the spirit and refuse Christ. Those who will receive him are ordained to eternal life. If any are lost, it is simply because they will not come to Christ and thus obtain life. And uh, the scripture says in Revelation twenty two seventeen, whosoever will may come and all who come will be received. According to John six thirty seven. many times, and this is not popular today. People don't want to hear about repentance, but repentance is scriptural. And you can you can hem and haw and argue and do all you want to do. But all those things usually boil down to the fact that there's rebellion in the heart of the person and they don't want to change. And if you don't repent, there's no forgiveness of sins. So you can go back and forth. I'm not going to even argue about it because it's the fact in the scripture. It's the truth. And so um, those are things that you you are individually going to have to decide. I know this about the Lord. 
and you say, you know from experience, some from experience, just in my own relationship with him, and even lack thereof when he spoke to me when I wasn't saved, calling me back to him, calling me to come into relationship with him, um, but also from the scriptures. Jesus is this way. A lot of times people think that the Lord won't leave you to make a decision after he's spoken to you. Now, he's not going to leave you in the sense of giving up on you, but he will leave the decision in your hands. And so we need to know that about the Lord. Uh, We need to understand that about him because he's not going to make you do what you're supposed to do. I know people will pray prayers and they'll go, oh God, you know, make me do this. No, no, no. He's not going to make you do anything. Devils make people do things. The Holy Spirit urges you, leads you, and he leads you in peace. He prompts you. He, he, he uh, motivates you. I'm going to share a testimony about that right here. And this is not my own testimony. This is actually a testimony of two separate, um, and I'm not going to get the stories exactly right, but two separate ministers that have ministered to me through the years. One was Kenneth Hagin, where I went to his Bible college. Well, one, the other was a teacher at Raymond named Doug Jones. And Doug Jones, actually at this last uh, winter Bible seminar, uh, down at Rama, um, I was watching him teach, and he's been a teacher there for years, uh, uh, and a graduate of Rama for years, and and worked with Brother Hagen closely. But he shared about the he at this uh, particular message at Winter Bible Seminar. He shared how the, about the leadings of the Holy Spirit, and the leadings of the Holy Spirit are not always spectacular. Sometimes they're real still small voice, like you should do this. Just simple little nudging. And, and sometimes we walk so carnal <laughs> that we miss it because we're so naturally minded instead of spiritually minded. And uh, he was sharing about how he had bought a house and he just kept having this feeling like somebody was going to break in the garage door, one of the back garage doors. And he had this feeling over and over. It just kept coming to him, just a sense, not real strong. He, and there was a little window in the back door. And I'm not going to get this story totally accurate, but you'll get the gist of the story. And he kept seeing, uh, just kind of inside of him, that somebody was going to break that little window, reach through and open the door. And he kept having a sense, put uh, something across that door to bar it off so that they couldn't do that. And he didn't do it. And at this time, he was teaching in healing school at Rama. And uh, he finally, uh, one day he was teaching in healing school and he got a call uh, or got a message from his head usher uh, right after uh, one of his messages saying his wife had called and somebody had broken into the house. And boy, he, you know, went home real quick. And what do you know? Exactly what happened. He kept sensing had happened. And so he was um, he was a little, you know, shaken about it and stuff like that. Of course, you probably would be. And, uh, of course, realized he missed the Lord in it. How many know God doesn't hold a grudge? (laughs) Okay, good. All right. So the Lord will forgive you, and he'll give you the money to replace your window and your door. You know, he's good like that. He's merciful. But anyway, um, he called Brother uh, Doug Jones, uh, uh, had, uh, of course, Brother Hagin's number, and he went and talked to him. He wanted to talk to him about it. So he went and talked to him. I don't know if he went to his office or where, but it doesn't really matter. And uh, Brother Hagin listened to him for a little bit, and he said, Do you remember when I had all the locks on the doors and my doors in my house changed? And uh, he goes, Yeah. He said, I had every one of the, everything changed, all the locks on my house changed. And he said, Yeah, I do remember that. 
he said, yeah. He said, I kept having the same thing you did. The only difference is I listened. (laughs) And so sometimes... You know, we learn after the fact, but, you know, you can learn before the fact. Uh, Before, in other words, the Lord knew something's coming. And sometimes people think, well, why didn't God just stop it from happening? He did. Psalms 91 was working by the leading of the Holy Spirit. We need to listen to him. Amen? We need to listen to him. And that's not my message, but I can't help but chase the rabbit. So, we did it on that one. Thanks, Chris, for that, (laughs) if you're watching. Um, A few things here as we move on. That was for somebody, you know, I don't just say those things just off the cuff. The Holy Spirit had it in me, so if that's for you, take it. If there's something the Holy Spirit's nudging you on, I don't care if it's a stop drinking pop. I don't care if it's a don't eat this candy bar. Listen, because it could could help you down the road. And people say, you know, I heard uh, my wife shared with me a couple of times she was watching Brother Copeland. And he was having real problems with his joints hurting. And so he, or his elbows, I think is what, what it was. And um, so he got to praying about it. And the Lord said, quit drinking coffee. And he did. And it, it, the pain went away. Just like that. You know, uh, and, and people say, well, oh, that means we're all supposed to not drink coffee. Nope, it doesn't. <laughs> my joints are working fine. So if that's for Brother Copeland, that's for Brother Copeland. But if the Lord tells me something like that, then I better listen. Now, we don't need to turn it into a law. The Holy Ghost isn't telling me the same thing. How many have noticed we all have different bodies? We all do, and we have different... You know, I wish my metabolism was such that I could eat whatever I wanted, and it just fell off me. But the reality is, it's not. So I get to live inside of a certain reality there and make adjustments but the Holy Spirit empowers us. So let's, uh, let's get off and quit chasing that. I think we caught that rabbit. So we can go back now to where we were. Foreknowledge no more determines a man's actions than afterknowledge. Remember, it's our responsibility to repent. There's statements that are made that we've talked about. You know, people make this statement, God is in control. But we need to qualify that. Are there things God is in control of? Absolutely. But is he in control of everything and everybody? No. You know, uh, I think that's just a religious statement that has been passed down through the years. You know, honestly, it probably started out okay, but you know how things can slip and things get twisted over time and it's not quite what it originally was. And so we just got to be careful with those things because I don't like to blame God for babies dying. I don't like to blame God for, you know, I'm not the insurance company. I don't think a tornado is an act of God that tore through a through houses and killed people needlessly. And I don't think that's the Lord at all. I think that's the result of us sinning and allowing the enemy into this planet. And I think we need to give the devil a whole lot more credit for what he is doing and leave God alone. And so um, in, in these things, and people say, well, if God was in control, if God's so good, you know, all these things, and you're missing it. As long as you are going to fight in your heart against God, you're never going to experience how good he is. People say, well, I'm going to just resist him. Then he will have to resist the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. You're not going to arm wrestle God and beat him. So you might as well submit now. Even if you have to wrestle and walk with a limp for the rest of your life, just do it. (laughs) Amen? Just do it. So um, God's ways are mysterious. This is usually said because we don't understand something that has happened. 
The unrest of not knowing can be resolved through hearing from God. Everything happens for a reason. But oftentimes when people say this, is the implication is God's fault. And that's not true. I love what the church sign that I read one time, it said, everything happens for a reason. Sometimes that reason was I was stupid. And that's the truth. I can look back over my life and go, that was dumb, that was dumb, that was dumb, that was dumb. And I can also look back over my life and go, thank God my parents and grandparents were praying for me every day. Otherwise, I wouldn't even be here right now. Thank God for it. Um, And then when I got married, they had to add reinforcements, so my in-laws started praying for me, which is good. (laughs) God has a purpose in all of it. God has a purpose in all of this. Uh, Yes and no. Satan has a purpose in all of this that's going on down here too. Now he's going to lose completely. In fact, he already has. He's just so stupid he hadn't figured it out yet. Okay? But in all of everything that's going on, God is not in control of everything that's going on. God is not... Uh, God is not putting coronavirus on people. And people say, well, well, I know Christians that got it. God will deliver them if they'll believe. God will protect them. God is not running around. He doesn't have disease to give. He doesn't have any disease in heaven. He said to pray that kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And sometimes people get away from God and they open themselves up to things that they shouldn't. But sin... And living outside of God's will, that puts you in a place on Satan's territory. And you just don't want to be there. Okay? So, when it comes to these things, uh, we need to realize that God's not controlling everything. That we do have free will. And that we can live close to God as Jesus did. So, Romans chapter 9 is a a passage of scripture that really begins, uh, and it's talking about, really, the overall picture here is... Um, three different wills being represented in the earth. And uh, there's, we're going to get into more detail on it. But on earth, there are three wills being done. God's will through believers, Satan's will through believers and unbelievers. You know, Satan does his will through believers. It's true. People say, well, they, they must have lost their salvation. No, they didn't lose their salvation. You say, well, can you prove that scripturally? Well, I can prove it through Paul and Peter's confrontation. When Paul got in Peter's face about acting, trying to get the Gentiles to live like Jews when he, he didn't live like a Jew. In other words, he had yielded over to something he wasn't supposed to. And so um, people can hear from God and they can hear from the enemy um, and yield to it. Believers can and they shouldn't, but sometimes that happens. We need to understand that. And then, of course, there's man's will being operated in here. So let's read verse 1 and we'll get down into uh, uh, Jacob and Esau and we'll, we'll get there. But Paul says this, I tell you the truth in Christ, I am not lying. My conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Spirit that I have great sorrow and continual grief in my heart. For I could wish that I myself were a curse from Christ for my brethren, my countrymen according to the flesh, who are Israelites, to whom pertain the adoption, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the service of God and the promises, of whom are the fathers and from whom, according to the flesh, Christ came. Now, that's an important statement right there. From whom, according to the what? The flesh, Christ came. So God made a decision to... Cause the flesh to this Jewish flesh to produce or to to have the Christ come through it, okay. 
He could have chosen another. Now, he chose this group, but he could have chosen another. He didn't. I'm not saying that, so don't go, don't go slap crazy on me and start saying I'm blasphemous and all that. He didn't. Christ came through the Israelites, the Jews. But you need to pay attention to some of these statements in here, and it will help with clarity in uh, understanding why people try and turn this chapter into uh, basically uh, Calvinism. Um, and so we need to be aware of that and, and try and preach a level of sovereignty that isn't here. But according to the flesh, who is over all, Christ came, who is over all, the eternal blessed God, amen. But it is not that the word of God has, not, has taken no effect. In other words, God kept his promises to the Jews. Do You know, the Jews did not keep to their end of the deal. And that's what this is talking about in many portions here. So we need to be aware of that. For they are not all Israel who are of Israel. Do you see that? Well, I'm a Jew, so no. See, the covenant isn't natural. It's spiritual. And and Paul goes on to say this, and we'll see it here in just a second. He said, those that are of the covenant are of the promise. And the promise was what? A supernatural birth. What was the supernatural birth? Isaac. Isaac. Isaac is a type of being born again. In other words, what? It had nothing to do with the flesh. If the covenant was just natural only, then Ishmael had Abraham in him. Come on. (laughs) Ishmael had Abraham in him because he was part of that flesh, you know? So you got to think about these things. All right. So... It is not that the word of God has taken no effect, for they are not all Israel who are of Israel, nor are they all children. Do you see this? Because they are the seed of Abraham. They are not all children because they are the seed of Abraham. That's what Paul says here. But in Isaac, your seed shall be called. So he says this in verse eight. That is those who are the children of the flesh. These are not what? The children of God, but the children of the promise are counted as the seed. You know, not uh, God was able to continue to manifest his covenant with the Israelites. Do you know why? Not because they were all fleshly Jews, but because many fleshly Jews had faith. It wasn't just that they all, it wasn't the law. The law did not bring us the covenant. The covenant was established before the law. The covenant was established, the sacrifice was established before the law because Abraham was before the law. And that's when the covenant was given. So it is not the natural that matters. The the children of the covenant are those who are born of the promise. See, I'm born again of the promise. My flesh doesn't matter. My flesh is going to go back to dust. Now, God will resurrect it. If he comes back, it'll change in the twinkling of an eye. We know that. But what what I'm saying is is that in that process, um, I don't need to make a bunch of... uh, I don't need to glory in this. I don't need to. You say, well, don't you know your family history? Well, I thought I did until my mom had a test done. And then we found out we weren't what we thought we were partially. So I'm not sure what's going on there. But I'm essentially a mutt. 
I'm not a purebred anything. <laughs> so, uh, which, which is okay with me. I really don't care because I'm going to get a new body anyway when this is all said and done. And my true identity is it's no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. So, you know, uh, 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 th- that's the most important thing. Okay, so moving on here. Nor are they all children because they are the seed of Abraham. In Isaac, your seed shall be called. That is, those who are the children of the flesh, these are not. I need to read that again. Verse 8 again. That is, those who are the children of the flesh, these are not the children of God. But the children of the promise are counted as the seed. For this is the word of promise. At this time, I will come and Sarah will have a seed. Notice it, or have a son. Notice it didn't say Hagar will have a son. Hagar's not having the son. Did God let them choose that? Looks like there was more than one will operating in that situation. Did it cause a problem for Abraham? Yes. Every time we've attempted to do Fulfill God's promise to us on, with our hands, we have got ourselves an issue. Did, did God hate Ishmael? No. Ishmael, did God know that Ishmael would be? Yeah, but there's a provision for Ishmael. Ishmael could be, people say, well, no, he couldn't be in the covenant. Yes, he could. Because the covenant was given based on promise, not based on flesh. And as long as we understand that, we're in a safe place. Amen? Okay, so he goes on to say this. He says, verse 10, And not only this, but when Rebekah also had conceived, and this is where we get into it. This is the fun stuff right here. I'm going to scroll down here in my notes so that I'm ready to comment on it. So, and not only this, but when Rebekah also had conceived by one man, even by our father Isaac, who was the seed of the promise, for the children not being born nor having done any good or any evil, good or evil, that the purpose of God according to election might stand, not of works, but of him who calls. So the children were not yet born, we need to look at this, nor had they done any good or evil. God knew while the children were in the womb that one would reject the Lord and that one would accept. One would be a man of faith and the other of self-works. What God saw from the womb was was the future of both sons, Jacob and Esau. Remember, foreknowledge doesn't necessarily mean foreordained. In other words, God did not automatically, he wasn't, just because he knew what they were going to do, doesn't mean he chose what they were going to do. So, uh, this election by foreknowledge and grace spiritual predestination. Remember, every person has been predestined to be conformed to to Jesus. But not every man or woman will choose that. Why? Because they choose to reject God. And people have all sorts of excuses. Well, no, it's because of this, it's because of that, and it's not fair, and da-da-da-da-da, and all these things. And those are all deceptions of Satan. And you can choose at any time to serve Christ if you want to. This is election by foreknowledge and grace. Now, you have to think about that statement, but you should pray about it and think about it. Spiritual predestination, not foreordination, not foreordination, foreknowledge, predestination, 
calling, justification, and glorification is what we get into in verses 12 through 33. So we just read verse 11. Now, this will make more sense here as we go. Verse 12, it says, It was said to her, The older shall serve the younger. God's foreknowledge, not foreordination, was made known to Rebekah before their birth. Can I ask you something? Did, did Elizabeth know what John the Baptist was going to do before he was born? Yes, she did. Because the Lord not only appeared to her uh, husband, but then also she knew and the Lord had ministered to her. And then even Mary, who knew what Jesus was going to do before. Amen. And so foreknowledge on these things. Um, it's wonderful. Okay, verse 13, as it is written, Jacob I have loved, but Esau I have hated. You say, well, if God knows everything, wouldn't people say, well, why doesn't he change it? Let me ask you a question. If God knows everything, why don't you repent and start walking with him so that you can walk through life with him? <laughs> Thank you, Lord, for good arguments and for persuasion of people. Why would you buck against the one who knows everything? Why would you kick against the pricks as the Lord told Paul or Saul at the time? It's hard to do. How long will you harden yourself? And if you do it long enough, you won't, you'll get to the place of no repentance and you'll seal your eternity and you don't want to do that. You don't want to reject the Lord. He's going to work with you until you totally reject him. And you need to settle that within you. So, verse 13. And this is a, this is a real in fact, I had somebody speak to me on it and question or ask me about it afterwards, and I understand why. But in verse 13, it says, as it is written, Jacob I have loved, but Esau I have hated. Jacob I have loved, Esau I have hated. God did not hate Esau, but his unbelief. God's not, God didn't hate, God made Esau. God loves all men and women and wants them to be saved. He loved Esau. But he hated the unbelief. God loved the faith of Jacob. How about Moses and Pharaoh? They become the subjects of verses 14 through 18, just as Esau and Jacob were in verses 10 through 13. But verse 14, it says this, What shall we say then? Is there unrighteousness with God? Certainly not. Excuse me. This is based on verse 13. God does not play favorites or have respect of persons. The answer is no. So he doesn't. He's not unrighteous. God is a respecter of faith. God is a respecter of faith. Hate toward anyone concerning birth is sin. Can God sin? No. God's hatred is not of people, but their ways. Why does he hate the way? Because it leads to death. He knows it's going to hurt his creation. Whatever is not of faith is sin. God must judge sin so that so his mercy toward the righteous can be fulfilled. It has to be that way. In looking at this verse and referencing what both of these boys did, remember Esau despised his birthright, which was given to him by covenant based on the word of God. Isn't that interesting? Remember, Esau despised what God called holy. So this is what's causing Esau to be at odds with God. He's despising what God gave him. Okay, he gave it up for a bowl of soup. Talk about not having respect for what's given to you in the word of God. Oh, I don't need this old Bible. I don't need this. I don't need the words of God. Who cares about that? I'm hungry. Give me some soup. 
We should never, that's disrespectful to the one who made us, created us, and who could provide soup out of thin air for you if you needed it. The covenant is more important than our natural, carnal ways. Esau was a, was a fleshy person. He was very, he was not spiritual like his brother uh, Jacob was in heart, at least for the most part. This reminds me of another passage where Jesus talked about loving your physical family more than him. By despising his birthright, Esau demonstrated why God loved Jacob. The, de- the deciding factor here was not physical age, but faith in the heart. Think about this. Legally, the birthright was Esau's. But he lost it because he had no faith. Let me ask you a question. Now think, because this is an answer right here. Legally, the birthright is the Jews. Because they're the firstborn. But they lost it because of what? Lack of faith. Which did what? It opened it up. So in other words, yeah, thank God. So there's been a what? A hardening. What causes a hardening? No faith. And so then what did God do? He goes, who else is available? Yeah, the Gentiles are available, the rest of us. And you say, oh, and Paul will go on to say this later, but he says, so you're telling me that the Gentiles, the Jews would say this. So the Gentiles get in. And Paul says, yes, because they pursued righteousness, not by the law, but by faith. Because you'll never be righteous by the law. You can only be righteous by faith. You can only be, you can only even do what's in the law when you've been empowered to live from the inside out. And until that happens, uh, you won't be able to fulfill and walk in the fullness of the resurrection within. It just won't happen. Faith, this is what the Lord said to me. Always trumps law. (laughs) I like that. Faith always trumps law. And that's not a president reference. It's just the truth. Okay. Verse 15. For he says to Moses, I will have mercy on whomever I will have mercy. And I will have compassion on whomever I will have compassion. This story is found in Exodus 33, 13 through 23. Moses asked to see the glory of God. God granted Moses Request based on God, not based on Moses. God did, Moses was a murderer. (laughs) Right? He was, he murdered, he went and he killed an Egyptian. Now, his intention, you know, he pulled an Abraham. He just did it. He went off and tried to fulfill the promise in his own works instead of doing it by faith. God loves faith. People say, well, I've messed it up. Well, there's still hope for you because many of the people in the Bible, well, all of them messed it up. And there's still hope because you can always get back into faith. God's merciful. He'll have mercy on you. So he did it not based on Moses, but God's mercy, grace, and compassion, not Moses' good deeds. And thank God it's that way. Because if it wasn't, nobody would be saved. If it was based on works, nobody would be saved. Verse 16, so then it is not of him who wills, nor of him who runs, but of God who shows mercy. Now think about that. What is Paul saying here? It's not according to your works. It's according to what? God's mercy. So don't get confused in all of this and start looking at things and go, oh, well, God's not fair and he's unjust. No, the thing is, if it was by fair... None of us would get in. He's what I believe what Paul is saying here more than anything is the emphasis is 
the compassion and the mercy of God. That He is good and His mercy endures for half a day. No, forever. It's constant. All right, I'm doing a good job staying in my chair. So, the super glue's working. God's plan of grace for our everyday life is based on our decisions and God's knowledge ahead of time of your of our choice. Yet the plan of redemption was put into effect because the, yet the plan of redemption was not put into effect because of our choice, but the sovereignty of God based on his mercy. I love this because Jesus go into a city and heal everybody, not based on what they did, just because he's merciful. We could use that now. We Church needs to believe in these things. We need to expect these things to happen and believe God and stand up. We, we could use a good dose of sovereign mercy through New York, Washington State, and California. And people say, none of them deserve it. I know, won't it be great to show how good God is? I think it would be wonderful. And people say they don't deserve it. Thank God, because we don't either. That's the problem. I am not righteous in myself. I am in a place of righteousness because of Jesus Christ. Jesus was sent to the cross and still would have died if no one would have accepted him. The ultimate plan of God began with him and not us. I love this. The ultimate plan of God began with Jesus and not us. God's compassion was here before us. Before I was ever here, before the foundation of the world was ever laid, compassion was in manifestation. Mercy was in manifestation. Because God knew, these little whippersnappers are going to reject me, but I want them no matter what. And even if they all reject me, at least it'll go down in the, in the, in the history, in the, in the books of eternity that I was good and I acted in compassion, mercy, and true justice and faithfulness. Because he's a good father. The ultimate plan of God began with him, not with us. God's compassion was here before us. The cross is the dividing line of whom God will have a plan for or not. Yet he has compassion on all, if they receive Jesus or not. His compassion provides a plan, but his justice takes over if they reject the plan. He hates their decision. He does not hate them. I hate it when my kids choose. I don't hate my kids ever. I hate it when they choose to disobey. I hate that. Why? Well, then you got to discipline them. I don't even really like disciplining them. It's not like I get some sort of, you know, my parents used to say to me, now you're going to have a spanking, but this hurts me more than you. I used to think as a kid, you're crazy. This hurts a lot. (laughs) But then as I became a parent, I realized they're not crazy. It's exactly that way. I, you know, and, and, but, but within me, I know if I just let my child do what they want to do and I never discipline them when I'm long dead and gone, they're going to be an adult that just does whatever they want and live in a way and in a manner that is not healthy. It's not godly. It's not righteous. And they're going to harvest something. And it's going to be my fault. I mean, partially, <laughs> partially my fault. So, um, in looking at this, we see that God takes everything into account. So after, that was a commentary by Bob Yandian, but I want to say this. This is what the Lord said to me this afternoon. This last statement referencing the cross is the main reason of many why I believe that God does not create a person with a predestined path to hell or destruction. God's will is that all are saved. 
God gives free will to man, then God deals with man, mankind according to how they choose, keeping in mind uh, all the influences and experiences that have impacted their lives. Now, I've I got to say this again, okay? I'm going to say this again. Well, let me, let me finish this part. With the purpose of redemption from the time that they are on the earth until death. So I'm going to say this again, and I want you to listen to it again. God's will is that all are saved. God gives free will to mankind. Then God deals with mankind according to how they choose, but he, keep, he keeps in mind in dealing with them all the influences and experiences that have impacted their lives with the purpose of redemption from the time that they are on the earth until death of the physical body. In other words, God is forever aware of everything your parents did wrong in raising you and vice versa when you had kids. And the, you understand what I'm saying? God is aware of all the work of the enemy in the earth. And he takes that into account in his consistent daily advance of working with all mankind for the purpose of redemption that he might not lose any. It's why he's so patient. And where we would go, kill them all. He's thinking, I want all the precious fruit of the earth, whether they're Democrat, Republican, communist, socialist. You know, it doesn't matter. God is not looking down going, uh, in the sense of looking at them going, uh, I just can't take it anymore. There's just so much sin. He knows if I can save, there'll be no return of Christ until there's full harvest of the fields. It will not happen. The full harvest must come in. It must come in because he'll wait for the precious fruit of the earth. Whether we like it or not as believers. So we might as well just settle in and just be patient. And just be patient. For the scripture says. For this to Pharaoh. To the Pharaoh. For this very pur purpose I have raised you up. That I may show my power in you. And that my name may be declared in all the earth. And that is where we'll pick up next week. <laughs> because it's 8 o'clock. And so I'm going to stop it now. Because I know... Uh, families got to get their kids in bed and different things like that uh, for uh, homeschool tomorrow because everybody's homeschooling. And just like that, I've seen so many funny memes, and maybe you share some of them with us that you've seen, the pictures, the, the, the gifts, and all those different things, but uh, of the different things that people have said. And just, I saw one, that, and just like that, homeschool was the most popular thing on the planet. <laughs> it was the thing to do. I've seen so many funny ones, and I know you guys have too. Some of you shared them with me, but uh, I think some of them are pretty funny. It's good that we've kept our sense of humor in all of this. You know, to wrap this up, uh, and we'll get into Moses and Pharaoh next week, we'll start there. Because um, I feel like we're making good progress now. And we, this series will probably end with Romans, because I can see. I try to get along, but I can only go as far as we can go. And because um, I feel like the Lord wants me to lead, or leads me. But keep these things in mind. We're going to post the message uh, from tonight. I'll post it tomorrow, the audio. And I'll also post the audio from Sunday. We had some technical issues where we had to go around the back door and get that one. But um, uh, 
on this particular series, listen to this message again. If you're struggling about this idea that God chooses your destiny, you need to listen to it again and again and allow the Holy Spirit to minister to you on it. And keep in mind who God is, that he's merciful, he's redemptive, he's a redeemer. His desire is not wrath. He, mercy triumphs over judgment. And, and, and that's exactly what I was saying. Mercy and the goodness of God trumps everything else that the enemy has and, and often invades in our lives over and over again. Even the worst drug addict, God will do everything he can to save you and, and to invade your life and, and make you and, and have you follow and cooperate with him. So I, I'm thankful. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for this truth and for these truths. Lord, I thank you for even next week coming up. We're going to talk about Pharaoh and Moses. You're going to give us understanding and revelation. I thank you, Father, that you're ministering to your church, that these words are nourishment because they, and they bring faith. They bring hope. They bring expectation of your goodness, your mercy, your compassions. God, you don't create anything for destruction. You create it all for redemption. And so I just rebuke the lies of the enemy. And we continue to stand in faith on these scriptures, warring in spiritual battle against the thoughts and lies of the enemy with the sword of the spirit and the shield of faith, with the full armor of God on us, the word of God, and driving the enemy back. Lord, you are good and your mercy endures forever. You're redemptive. Lord, you are sending us rain. Lord, you are protecting us according to Psalms 91. And we are so grateful for your goodness. We bless you, we honor you, we praise you. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Well, God bless you guys. Thanks for joining us. And we will be here again Sunday at 1030. Thank you for taking the time to listen today. If you would like more information about Faith Family Church, including service times and location, visit faithfamilybillings.com.